162 games of baseball a season can feel like a grind to watch, but you can put the excitement back into each and every game with my bookie. Run lines, money lines, props galore. Nobody gives you more opportunities to win than my bookie. Getting started is simple. Deposit $300 and play with $200 instantly. Just use promo code ZABE to claim a MyBookie deposit bonus. Whether you're a diehard fan or a newcomer to the sport, there's never been a better time to join the MyBookie family. Go ahead and sign up today using promo code ZABE to secure your first deposit bonus up to $1,000 with MyBookie. Whatever you put in, they'll meet halfway all the way up to $1,000. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.com. Today on the ZabeCast, not often you can talk to a master distiller. Big Mike and I chat with Steve McNally of Bardstown over a glass of his Fusion Series 7. Deshaun Watson met the media in Cleveland. How did it go? It was a game of count the masseuses. Also one listener with his definitive rankings of all of our ZabeCast guests. Your bonus, uncensored 35-minute edition of me is locked and loaded, so buckle up and let's go! Here we go! Wednesday, June 15, 2022. Thank you for downloading. I know, I know, I know. Oh, another bourbon-related podcast. Hey, keep an open mind. This guy, Steve McNally, is awesome. Old school, Kentucky, born and bred, worked his way up at Maker's Mark from a janitor all the way to a master distiller. It's a good story. We'll talk to him coming up here in just a second. We are at Maddie's Bar and Grill in New Berlin. Wisconsin, uh, chatting over a glass of his Fusion Series 7. But in the meantime, there's other stuff going on, so let's go ahead and get the news out of the way. Deshaun Watson met the media in Cleveland, and he was hit with a game of count the masseuses. (laughs) Here he was after being asked by reporters, Sue, Sue. How many of these massage therapists did you have? And uh, is the number 66 or 67, does that sound about right to you? Here was the assumed QB1 of your Cleveland Browns. 17 month period. Does that number 66 seem right to you? Um, I mean, I can answer. I, I, I don't think so uh, for what me and my attorneys went through but at the same time you know that's a that's more of a, a legal question that I can't really get into details about um, so you'll probably have to ask my attorneys and things like that to confirm <laughs> uh, yeah no I I don't know it seems seems high really didn't count exactly I heard on one radio show and I forget who it was and I tried to find it but I couldn't Maybe you guys will find it for me. One of the hosts said that, I guess at some point, maybe not on Tuesday, but at some point, Deshaun Watson invoked the notion of, hey, I was supporting black-owned businesses by sprinkling my massages over so many women, I guess the majority of whom were black. 
that may be a angle on this that's simply too good to be true. But when I got home, I was like, oh, man, if he really said that, that is rich. Evan Birchmore on Twitter says, it's just a reminder that the Browns moved on from Baker Mayfield, who, by the way, was excused from practice and from activities uh, at the team's approval and Baker himself said, yeah, probably a good idea for me not to be there. Talks with the Carolina Panthers have begun to warm up. I wouldn't say heat up, but they have begun to warm up. The Browns are nonplussed, as they say, at the offers coming back for Baker Mayfield. But then again, it's their own fault. Because the minute they had landed Deshaun Watson, they should have moved Baker Mayfield for the first best offer. Because the price was not going to go up the longer they waited, and now they're kind of trapped. So what are they going to do? Anyway, reminder, writes Evan Birchmore on Twitter, that the Browns moved on from Baker Mayfield, who A, ended their 18-year playoff drought, B, ended their 26-year playoff win drought, C, played through a torn labrum and knee contusion, and D, did so to get Deshaun Watson because they wanted an adult, quote, at quarterback. They believe that Baker Mayfield had become too juvenile, too wrapped up in petty spats with the media and others. What a joke, says Evan Birchmore. Look, legally, I don't know if these civil cases have any real juice behind them. I know this. I get the picture. I I can see the puzzle clearly. There's not many puzzle pieces left for me to need to see, to know what he was doing. Deshaun Watson was getting massages and then looking for happy finishes from random, sometimes Instagram thirst trap part-time masseuses, and that was his thing. That was his get-off. And 12, well, not 12, 22 of the 66 that were known, that's about a third, did not like it. And had no idea that was part of the bargain. He's a jerk-off. How how much more plainly can you say it? This is why the term jerk-off was invented. Oh, that guy, he's just a jerk-off. Yeah, that's him. Now, is it illegal? Is it criminal? Apparently, the courts have said, we or not the courts, the prosecutors have said, we don't have enough of a case. One police officer, not the DA, said they believe that Deshaun Watson committed a crime. But that's not for the police to determine. That's for the DA to bring a case. Can they win it? It's not enough there. Of course, the NFL doesn't like this. And certainly when you're paying a guy this much money, uh, you kind of want him to be of higher moral caliber than this. He did say he is availing himself with all the tools the Browns have offered in order to try to become a better person, including counseling. Which I would say is not a bad idea, but, well, you know, at this point, the horse is sort of out of the barn. Then there's this. Deshaun, or excuse me, Richard Sherman has announced he will join the Thursday night football coverage on Amazon. He'll appear on pregame, halftime, and postgame shows. Sherman, though, said he is not retiring from football entirely, Quote, if somebody wants to call me late in December, I'll be happy to help. So in other words, he doesn't want to play the regular season. I would hope he's going to stay in shape all year long in case 
somebody breaks glass and grabs for Richard Sherman. The NFL is a new official pizza of the league. Pizza Hut, you're out. Little Caesars, pizza, pizza, you're in. Uh, The agreement offers Little Caesars a set of exclusive marketing rights designed to connect the brand with the NFL, its events, and fans. This after the NFL swapped out of Pepsi for the halftime show. Either way, there's going to be a new big corporate check being written for that sponsorship. I have not really had, to my knowledge, Little Caesars Pizza. I think it's in our area in D.C. I think it's in Milwaukee. I just have never had an occasion to have it. Is it any good? Is it, well, it's $5 for a pizza, right? Or $10 for two pizza pizza? It's probably not that good. But as someone once said that pizza is like a job, even when it's bad, it's still pretty good. It's pizza. And then there's this. So we got a baby shortage formula because only three of our country's 23 baby formula plants are up and running right now. And the reason now, according to the Associated Press, is that during the pandemic, your government that you and I pay dear tax dollars to, to be minimally competent, fucked up. They did not inspect the plants. They usually happen at at least once a year to make sure everything is safe and clean and not contaminated. They have workers go in from the Food and Drug Administration. See, that's the thing. Your initials start with F, food. Food for infants. Infants who cannot go forage for themselves. Infants who do not have an Uber Eats account. They're the ones that need the food the most. You'd think they would inspect it. Well, you know, due to COVID, we couldn't inspect it. No, no, no. Not due to COVID. Due to your short-sighted, irrational, insane at times, and no consideration given to the consequences, policies based on COVID is why the plants are now shut down because you didn't inspect them. You probably said, ah, we could do it by Zoom, right? Yeah, just yeah, carry your laptop around, hold your phone up. Okay, that looks good. That looks good. That looks good. Another case of why on earth would anyone vote to give them more power, more control, more of a hand in our lives is it's beyond me. But there it is. You know, we're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't help you just hire faster. 93% of employers agree. Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. This according to a recent Indeed survey. 
listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Zabe. Just go to Indeed.com slash Zabe right now and support the show by saying you heard about it right here on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Zabe. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, time now for our discussion with Master Distiller Steve McNally of Bardstown Distillery in Kentucky. We sat down over a delicious glass of their new Fusion Series 7 and had a good old chat about how he came to the point in life where he is now in charge of some of the most delicious bourbon in all the world. Good right there. Perfect. Okay, and there you are talking right there. How do I sound? Can you hear me? You sound like you're from Kentucky, to be honest. Really? With you. That's, that's great. That's what, <laughs> that's what I want. That's what I want. Okay, yeah. You, you are from Kentucky. I, I am. Whereabouts in Kentucky? A uh, little town of Holy Cross. It's about uh, 12 miles south of Bardstown, about 60 miles south of Louisville. Nice, 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 nice. Mikey O'Neill is with us today, and what a treat this is, Mike, to have right here. It is a treat for you, but, I mean, we're here with a master distiller for Bardstown Distillery in Kentucky. Steve Nally joins us. And, Steve, you have been in the business professionally for how many years? I just celebrated this past March 50 years in the industry. 50 years. Where did you begin? How old were you when you got into the bourbon business? (laughs) Like most Kentucky kids, too. Well, I was legal. I was 21 when I started at a little old place uh, many of you may know. It's called Maker's Mark. Oh, I've heard of it. Yeah. Absolutely. In fact, I believe, Mikey, I'm an, a Maker's Mark ambassador. You are. You are a big Maker's fan. <laughs> yeah. No, but they have a program. Are you a Maker's Mark ambassador? I am not. Yeah. Uh, they got a big marketing campaign. They're like, you can put your name on a barrel and come pick it out in a couple years. Oh. They really just want to bombard you with emails. It's all marketing these days. Anyway, enough about them. So you started at Makers. What did you start as? I actually started out growing yeast, which is, you know, when they hired me on, I went down. I was born right next to the Makers Mark property, so I grew up in that vicinity. And I went down there looking for a job. You know, I had no idea what. I Actually, when I got out of school, I thought I wanted to be a farmer. And I bought a farm, went in debt, uh, started the operation, and, Farm prices went down, interest rates went up, and I found out it was a bad choice. Wow. So I went down there looking for a job, and they hired me on. And the first 17 years I was down there, I actually worked every job at the distillery. Did you really? And kind of learned the ins and outs of it. And in 1988, became master distiller. 1988. So how many years from janitor to master distiller? Uh, 17. 17 years. And when you were sweeping up as janitor, did you ever think someday I'll be making this sweet, sweet nectar? I did not. I didn't think I had the knowledge or the ability or the confidence or any of the above. Wow. And when they offered, I actually was a assistant distiller when the opportunity came about. And at that time, we were called, they were called head distillers. So the title wasn't at hand at the right. time. So when the title or the opportunity came about, they offered it to me. And Donna really kind of pushed me ahead and said, you can do it. You know how to do it, so do it. 
So I took the job and became master distiller in 1988. And a couple of years after that, at that time, Maker's Mark was only making about 30, 35 barrels of product a week. Oh, wow. So okay. we were really small. And a few years later, we actually did our first expansion. So I was involved at Maker's Mark during our first two expansions, really. So we expanded. So I undertook that and and knew how to do that, how to add equipment, upsize equipment, do everything. So I gained some confidence during that time. And I retained that position until 2003. And we were bought out a couple of times by different companies. Right, right. And in 2003, we were bought out by a company that changed some of the benefits. So um, I was going to lose some benefits. So I semi-retired or so, thought I was going to retire. <laughs> thought they th- you thought you were out. <laughs> and thought, then they pulled you back in, Steve, didn't they? They actually didn't. I, I stayed oh. retired from Maker's Mark. <laughs> you went to Wyoming, didn't you? Well, I, I didn't at the time. I actually set out for about three years. I actually hauled grain. I drove a semi for those few years, and I delivered grain to distilleries, uh, stayed in contact with them. And in 2006, about six or seven, three attorneys from Jackson, Wyoming, wanted to build the first legal distillery in the state, so they hired me to come out in Wyoming oh, okay. and build a distillery out there. And so I went there, and I thought, well, I'll be 1,500 miles away from Kentucky. Nobody will know what the heck I'm doing. So I went out there. And <laughs> took... You thought you could get away with some stuff up there, huh? <laughs> I did. And <laughs> anyway, so I went out there and took that uh, opportunity. And at that uh, point, I was general manager, master distiller. So I overtook the opportunity to build the first distiller in the state. And I built that, got it up and running, and stayed there for uh, six and a half years. Got product on the market. And in 2013, a fellow by the name of Peter Lofton contacted me. And he came up with the idea that he wanted to start a distillery. Uh, he wanted to start the, uh, a different approach to distilling. He wanted to do custom distilling. He wanted to create a Napa Valley-type experience for visitors coming to distillery. He wanted to do custom distilling for other companies. And he wanted me to undertake the, the yeah. process. And, and he founded Bardstown Urban Company, Correct. which is where you are now. Now, Mike had the very nice organizational skills, Steve to rally up a bunch of us to go visit both Bardstown and a number of other distilleries down there. And what's interesting, Mike, is that you have this new school distillery at Bardstown, and here is an old school guy running their operation. Which I think is just amazing. So, I mean, Steve, it's a pleasure to meet you. Thanks for being in Milwaukee and doing this. Um, I just, I, a couple questions. Um, in the the new school process that you guys are doing with Bardstown, uh, with the collaboration and the, the, the discovery and the fusion, where, how do you guys define here, rephrase that, how do you guys come up with the idea of where, like a, a fusion is, you know, part A and different from discovery and obviously collaboration, like the new collaboration that's coming out is a plantation rum cask, which seems to kind of be the new hot uh, cask to use. Where are all these ideas coming from? with all these different numbers. And we remember, Steve, we had a chance to taste 
Yeah. The your number one, the collaboration number one at a, the little restaurant in Bardstown. It's a square bottle with the cores, and it was delicious. And every Bardstown product I have is great. But where do all these are these your ideas? Are yeah, people, where do they come from? Yeah, where are they coming from? Well, we we operate a little bit different at, at the distillery. You know, if you back up several years ago, all of these uh, finishes, uh, blends, whatever came from the distiller. Well, I don't do all of that. We operate as a team. So the collaborations, per se, comes from a team effort. You know, we'll make up a blend, just say the Fusion, for instance. We do the blends. The very first Fusion we did, anybody in the company that wanted to took what was available, being some products that we had aged, some of our products, blended them together, and presented them to the team that was evaluating them. We started out with 52 different blends. Really? And, and we, say, what do you like? We, as the team, which was about eight of us, some of us was myself, some of the other distilling team, some culinary team, some of the beverage team, even some of the marketing team. We evaluated those blends, and we would do maybe seven or eight one day, next day do seven or eight. We rated them on a scale of one to four, kind of like the final four bracket. And we picked <laughs> It always comes back to sports. <laughs> We, in Kentucky. In Kentucky, right, right exactly, yeah. especially basketball. What, what else do you relate to? But, you know, we picked the best one out of, out of those six or eight. Next day we did the same thing. Then we had this pool of, of tops. We went back and picked out of that pool. Well, we ended up with the very best out of those 52. That's what went in fusion number one. Every, every blend we do, we do the same process. So it's not just my evaluation or my pick that's awesome you get the view of a are you hiring well <laughs> we don't we don't pay yes, because, that's we, okay can i volunteer yes, Mike, as janitor exactly do you have 17 years to work your way up i'll ask my wife um <laughs> but you know that's that's kind of the way we do the the blends on fusion and discovering the, those products did you help uh when we were there one of my favorite things we got to see was the i guess we'll call it the museum kind of behind the tasting bar near the restaurant on the where did you help curate all those bottles in there well not not per se uh you know i helped get some of them together but fred manick actually was the one that that curated all of those i mean he came in and and he cataloged those and and uh got them together and we we put them together from just people that the laws changed uh back about three years ago four years ago that before that it was illegal for anybody to purchase those products from an individual or anybody to sell them sure. by the drink. Okay. The laws changed where now if you if I have a license, I can purchase products from you and sell them by the drink. Oh, wow. so that law changed at least in Kentucky. So we started purchasing those. They're called antique spirits. And we can purchase them. We test them to make sure they're still drinkable. And then we can serve them by the drink. So Fred came in and he did a lot of research and helped curate and put all that together. For there's there's a complete book on on each product, tells what it is, when it was produced, and all about it. So he did most of that homework for us. So if my 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 favorite of all the ones I've had is the, was the triple stave, the collaboration triple stave. That was by far my Explain favorite. Explain what that is, Mikey. 
I'm going to try, and then I guarantee Steve's going to well, correct Steve me. Well, Steve will but. correct you and add to it. Go ahead. Each barrel, when they put it together, had a different type of wood in the stave. Is that or a wooden stave? Am I saying that right? The stave is the wood plank. Right. So they were all th they were different types of wood. So it, that gave you three different types of no. Okay. He's shaking his head no. <laughs> no. Well, I th I just okay. I, it was my favorite, and I don't know how you did it, but it was it's my favorite one. Well, we we put a blend together similar to what fusion is to start with, and then we put that together in a tote, a stainless steel tote. And then we put the, the spice staves and the and toast staves into the tote and let it infuse into the tote. And then we put the 17-year-old Tennessee whiskey into that hmm. to create the final product. And so. it was a distillery-only purchase, so I had some friends that were driving through, and I made them stop and buy me some because I wasn't nice. going to be down there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, we, we so. did the blend with the kind of like the fusion is. And then we added the, the staves to it in the tote wow. to do yeah. the, the finish. So when you go down to Bardstown, go down to Kentucky, you visit Bardstown, I highly re recommend it. You will be like, wow, this is unlike most other old school distilleries. It's got that Napa Valley upscale winery vibe to it because it's a newer distillery. Only, what, three years old? We started building in 2014 we started production in 16 okay we started doing visitor tours in 18 okay so about that old and you have yet to put out your own aged stuff that, or? Is, that is correct that's correct when does the first original come out of the cask okay we're getting very excited about that we are going to have in january of 2023 we will have a six-year-old two six-year-old products one of them is going to be a bottle and bond, 20% wheat recipe. One is going to be a 36% rye recipe. And then a couple of months after that, we will have a 95% rye whiskey that will be coming out. Okay, so at that oh, point, man. you'll be up and running with your own juice, so to speak. That's sitting in the wonderful high-tech rickhouses with the glass windows on the corner, which is very unlike the old-school rickhouses. That look like dilapidated old barns if you just drive by on the highway. And then what will you do with your previous method of blending to come up with your product, which you've done so far while your own stuff is aging? Okay, if you come if you haven't been there for a little while, we now have one warehouse that has the west wall is a hundred percent glass. Oh really? They were building that when we were there. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's been completed and that wall is lit at night. So that you can see all the barrels oh, on the man. west side. I bet there's a lot of rubbernecking. What highway does it go by there? The Bluegrass Parkway the goes Bluegrass by. Bluegrass Parkway. I mean, I can see people just like Mikey going, oh, my God, look at all that. <laughs> look at all that juice. And all of a sudden there's a crash. So how do you think the barrels will age being well, up against glass, which gets very hot when the sun's out in the summer, maybe colder in the winter? I don't know. We're not sure yet, but we are going to have just our juice in it. It won't be any of our customers. It'll be 100% BBC's juice. Because you need to know how it comes out. Yeah, I mean, if it's good, it's going to be ours. If it's bad, it's going to be ours. It's <laughs> going to be ours. Now, is there any other place that has glass rickhouses? Not that I know of. Um, I think there's one other distillery that has some small warehouses that have some glass in them that, you know, maybe are doing something, but... Uh, nobody has that much glass. How do you know it's going to work? What yeah. if it's terrible, Steve? Well, then I'll have to keep it and drink it myself. <laughs> <laughs> so
So you're saying basically, no matter how it comes out, it'll still be whiskey, yeah. and I'll still drink it. It'll still be good. It'll, st- it'll still be good. I love it. And you know what? If it's really good, that could revolutionize things, couldn't it? Then the race is on for others to build their own, right? It, it could. Uh, the only downfall is that's very, very expensive to put glass walls up. Yeah. And, and you'd be six years behind. That is anybody true. Anybody else. Yeah, so so uh, that's great. Um, what is the biggest myth or misconception about bourbon or whiskey from the average consumer? Um, one, I don't know if it's a myth or a false hope, is that you can accelerate the aging process. Everybody's tried it. Everybody wants to do it. I have yet to see a way that it's successfully done, that you can speed up the aging process. Mother Nature has the corner on it. Mother Nature does it best, and that's the only way I've seen that's done right. Yeah. Uh, Fred was telling us about some of the uh, rapid aging. Uh, that was going to be my next question, actually. And companies, and they, the rapid aging companies claim to be able to age it in how quick a time? Anywhere from half the time to a third the time to... You know, get six-year product out in a couple of years. I mean, it's just all kinds of accusations. But can they do it in less than a year? No. No. Okay. <laughs> all right. Good. I'm glad because one of the things that I love, having visited there and seen how this is done, is that it is so old school. It is so by hand, and that, like you said, you Mother Nature has a corner on the process of aging, sitting in a barrel, soaking up all the delicious innards of the barrel and the heat and the moisture and the cold in the winter and the cycling through for at least three, four, five years, you can't accelerate that. You can't fake that. There's not enough technology in the world to replicate that. Well, one way I like to kind of compare is if you take a tea bag and dip it in water and let it set for a few seconds and pull it out, you're going to get color. If you dip it in there and pull it out in a second, you don't get much. Right. So it's kind of the same scenario if you age it real fast and then try to do it real quick you're not going to get much i mean that's my comparison to it so steve in front of us we have the very delicious fusion seven i was going to say a sample on this right thank you for the sample i in reading about it um it looks like it's about 70 percent bbc is that correct correct. what does that mean so it's the blend is 70 percent bardstown juice okay and then bardstown bbc stands for Barstown Bourbon Company. Got it. And then 30% from other vendors or other uh, dis- distilleries. There's two other Kentucky distilleries, which I cannot say who they are. I but, understand. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a very high corn mix. Correct. You can, And I really get that That's out of it. That's why I like it so much. And I'm a rye guy. I mean, this is wonderful, but when you said you're going to have a uh, your own with a very high rye content, I, your, your beautiful wife here looked at me when I smiled, and yeah, she smiled right back at me. I was like pumping my fist, right? Yeah. Exactly. So, um, is this seven series? Does it have the most of your own juice by percentage of anything so far? It has the most of our own juice, and even though it's it's three years old, it's getting up in the three year old. It's getting close to four year old. So, you know, I I think seven is the best we put out yet. It's because our juice is getting a little closer to mature age and then the the other the other distilleries that are in there that's 12 year from what i've read yes so um once you guys once bardstown starts doing their own 100 percent right in in january of 23 will there be a fusion eight will there be a discovery eight will that continue or will that stop 
that will continue. I mean, you know, it's part of the the good about that is it we're still showing the art of blending, mm -hmm. and where most of that juice comes from is when we produce for our other customers. Just say you have a, a 300 barrel production and we produce 310 barrels. If you do not want those 10 barrels, we purchase them or we keep them. And those 10 barrels is partially what we use in the fusion. So that's product that we have to do something with. We can either use it in fusion blend or we can use it in collaborations or something else. That will not be some of our core products. So we will continue that. As long as we can buy aged product, we will continue to do discovery. Discovery is the art of blending. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we continue, want to continue to do blending. Yeah. Collaborations, we will want to continue to do that because that's, that is finishing product in somebody else's barrels. And I think we're doing a, a pretty decent job of that too. So we want to continue those. And, you know, we had talked about early on discontinuing these products, but you know, they've kind of became some, some pretty staple products of ours. Yeah. So we want to continue that. So uh, oh. just to wrap it up here, and it's been great visiting with you, and thank you for the glass. It's delicious. I love the seven. I do have one more question. If one I more before I wrap it up. Go ahead. Sorry. So you guys did Founders the, with the Founders Brewery. Right. Um, which is amazing. What is the Founders Brewery? It's Where are they? Who are Michigan. they? Michigan. Uh, okay. And they, uh, they did their, they used their Kentucky breakfast stout beer barrels to make a oh. collaboration series right and it's delicious they have it here whiskey aged in a b -b -b beer barrel Bur yep it's delicious really but Steve, I'm, lo I'm looking at you with a skeptical eye you know you have to try it try they it have it here try it before you frown on it did, exactly did an old did an old distiller like you look with a crooked eye at first like i'm not putting my juice in a beer barrel no, well, um, you, you said know, I'll try it. I'll try it. Um, when we first started doing collaborations way back in 2019, um, we kind of, well, I got to know a really great winemaker out in California, Susan Pfeiffer Pavitt. And we talked to her and got her to send us a couple of barrels to do a project in. And she sent the wine barrels down in normal out of, of process of routing. They empty their barrels, they rinse them, they put them on a truck and send them to us. Normal transportation takes about two weeks to get here. It was in the summer. What happens to the barrels when you put them on a trailer? They get warm, yeah. they come here, the wine that or whatever residue might be in them is really not very good. So the barrels got here, I opened them up, pulled the plug out of them. I thought, you know, there's nothing there. So I called Suzanne and I said, you know, I don't know if I can use these barrels. They're, they're dry. There's very little aroma in them, and it really smells bad. I didn't say that, but um, I said, you know, I've got an idea. And she was, said, okay, let's hear it. I said, what if? I said, first of all, do you have any more barrels? She said, yeah. I think she had 50 more. And I said, what if you dump the barrels and you leave about a half gallon to a gallon in them, and... You gas them with argon gas to evacuate the oxygen out of them. That's what ruins the wine. Okay. You wrap them, you put them on a refrigerated trailer, and you express ship them to me. I didn't hear anything. I said, Suzanne, are you there? About 10 seconds later, she said, yeah, I'm here. 
She said, you know how expensive that's going to be? And I said, well, let's don't worry about that right now. Let's just try this. <laughs> so she agreed to do it, and we got the barrels in. They were on a refrigerator trailer. It took three days to get them here. When I opened the trailer up, it was 37 degrees in it. I opened one barrel, and that wine was just as nice and crisp and tasted wow. just as great. So as soon as I got the barrels off, I opened them, filled them with Tennessee bourbon, put them in the warehouse. We went back in about six or eight months, pulled a sample out, and checked it. We thought, this is not where we want it to be. We sent her samples. Together, we kind of checked the process. We went on and ended up being 18 months. We both agreed that this is where we want the project or the product to be. And that kind of set the standards of how we finish product in barrels. So between the two of us, we agree this and almost everything we do, we do about 18 months. Some of them, if they start to finish or take on the flavor, we do a little less. The KBS, we did 15 months because right. it took on the flavor so fast. But, so you will know, you guys do the opposite then? Like it, like a lot of just a lot of um, breweries will buy barrels from distilleries and then they'll make a bourbon aged beer. Have you guys gone the other way with any with any breweries? We have a little bit. We have a local uh, brewery in Bardstown that we have actually started a project that they finished a beer and some bourbon barrels. We took those barrels after they finished the beer, and we've got some bourbon in them now. Once we finish that, we're going to do swap back and forth, and we're calling those infinity barrels. So we're wow. going to keep switching them back and forth. <laughs> and awesome. each time they do it, they're going to do a different type of beer in them just to when we get them, they'll have a little bit different finish. So we're going to do, we're gonna do <laughs> Super that. Super cool. Just swapping barrels. Swapping That's barrels. Awesome. Swapping barrels. So as a concluding thought, bourbon is hot right now. Bourbon is booming right now. Right. Which is great. Great for you. Great for the business. Great for us who love it. Great for the state of Kentucky. We visited the Stitzelweller Distillery, and we saw on the wall there where they had their big chalkboard uh, the day that they closed down because bourbon wasn't so hot back in the early 80s, I believe it was. Right, Mikey? I believe so, yeah, where people so. wrote, this was our last day, they wrote it yeah. on the wall in chalk, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and I remember their motto, our tour guide told us, which was, we will sell great bourbon for a modest profit if we can, but at a loss if we have to. And I thought it was a wonderful saying, and I said to the boys, I go, well, they did that for a while, and then they had to shut her down. <laughs> you know? It's a high-minded thing, but they finally said, okay, we got to shut it down. Now, bourbon is booming, which is great. Where do you see it in the next 5, 10, 20 years? Is the trajectory still steady and good? Is there perhaps a leveling off because so many have entered the field? What does your experience tell you? I think that the ones that are managed and operated and put out a good quality, we're still going to see an incline. Um, the demand is so hot out there. You know, we're we're operating at about 160% of our projected gold. We're only in 23 wow. states right now. Um, we are still expanding. Um, I don't see that we'll see, we being the bourbon industry, we'll see a... a slow down at least for the next 10, 15 years. I probably see a leveling off. I mean, we still have foreign countries that are dire need or dire 
want of, bur- of good bourbon. <laughs> need. I think it's need, right, Mike? <laughs> Some of those countries, it is. Some of those countries sending frantic telegrams. Need more bourbon. Yes. Stat. Well, here's to a wonderful discussion about Absolutely. a wonderful well, beverage. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for sharing your knowledge with us. And uh, keep on doing what you do down there and right here at Maddie's today. Can't wait to go back sometime later this year because that restaurant is awesome. It's good stuff. Thank you, Steve. Well, thank you all very much for having me. I've enjoyed talking to you today. Thanks, Steve. You know, you're wondering whether uh, I'm still the liquor. No. Guess what? I'm on top of the liquor. I am the monkey in charge of bananas. What's my secret? This little device right here. I just take a little blow. And it tells me when it's time for a little top-up. Because when I first got this, I used to ride it around 0.20, which is f***ing wasted, 24-7. But now, I leave it at 0.12, which is perfect. It's right in the fucking slot, just past the click. That wonderful moment, just like Julian. I'm sober enough to know what I'm doing, and I'm drunk enough to really enjoy doing it. Oh! Look at that, 0.10. Time for a little drinky poo. Cheers, genitals. Okay, let us end on this. My listener Russ in Denver has taken on a huge task. He has ranked one through well, technically twenty-eight. His favorite Zabecast guests. Here he goes. Dear Zabe, just wrapped up today's podcast, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Good. I've been brooding over this for some time now, as you have repeatedly talked about feedback on guests and formats. So here it goes. Here's my guest power rankings for your perusal. Number one guest, you are looking live with Mr. X. 1B, you are looking live in the traditional Scott and Solly format. See, a lot of people would put that truly number one. I'm going to try to make that happen this fall, but I, I, I don't know. It's, it's tough. Number two, you alone talking about national sports and pop culture topics with sprinkled in of COVID and political talk. The other day was chef's kiss perfection. Number three on his guest power rankings, charge. The chemistry between the two of you is undeniable on just about any topic. Number four, Mr. X. He'll be on tomorrow, by the way. I think he can be used for more topics and all topics, especially in the doldrums of summer. That's true. In fact, I think I'm just going to put a lot of quarters into him about how his uh, construction is going, if it is going, on his new cottage up in Maine. That will be interesting unto itself. Number five, your boy Glenn Eunice, Zabe. I never understood the negativity about him. His stories are the absolute best. Okay. Number six on the power rankings, national guests, e.g. Jason Whitlock or Gary Williams. P.S. Can you please get Annie Agar sometime soon? I would love to. I'll work on it. But I doubt it. Number seven, Jay. But only when you talk pop culture and modern sports. He'll be on Friday for the 2022 Yacht Rock Draft. I think it's going to be very enjoyable. If you have not subscribed yet, go to zabe.com slash premium 
and become a 1% subscriber. Five stinking dollars a month is all I ask. And if you sign up for a year, you get 12 months for the price of 11. Oh, what a bargain. Cancel anytime. Zabe.com slash premium. Number eight, guests while you are on site for golf trips. A a dish best served when tipsy and nostalgic. It's universal language for guy trips and makes me count the days to mine. Okay, number nine, power lunch with Carol. Except the ones where you don't talk over her. I know, I've got to do better on that. Number 10, Ronis and Thomas. Okay, you can hear them on the Capitol Golf Gang. Actually, Ron took the week off, uh, but uh, Mr. Ronis is on. Uh, that is available wherever you get your podcast. Just search for Capital Golf Gang, and it'll pop right up. It's going to be uh, – it's already up there. As a matter of fact, we taped on Tuesday for the U.S. Open Preview Edition. Number 11, Scott and Solly talking about whatever's going on. Wow, that's 11. It's very low. I had said, you know, I'm going to promise to give you them every Friday, subscriber edition, the old formula of Coca-Cola that you loved so much for many years. Maybe this is just one man's opinion that is so low. Number 12 would be grouping together guys like your boys want to count and hatch or Galdi or the Felt Father, Sheehan, the Green Bay guys. This group is the Thai food of your rotation. Great when you have it, but not something you'd want to eat every week. Okay, fair enough. Unfortunately, it is time to slowly climb up the top of the turnbuckle And jump, elbow first. At number 28 in his power rankings for Zabe Guest. Hey, what what happened to numbers 13 through 27? He skips down to 28. At number 28, Andy Poley. I know this one hurts, Zabe, because he is your most frequent guest. He's my regular Monday, I agree. That said, I'm a loyal one percenter who wakes up like like Ben Affleck outside of Matt Damon's house every day, except in this case, I am hoping you are still there. When you began and there was only one 30-second commercial at the beginning of the podcast, I worried it'd be a short-term thing. As the number and frequency of the commercials grows, I'm getting slightly more comfortable that you will continue to do the podcast through my entire life expectancy. P.S. I'm a 44-year-old cancer survivor, so try to give me at least another 16 years. By the way, I have talked to Chris Broussard, my marketing guy and podmaster himself. I said, look, we need to make sure one one ad at the front, one in the middle, one at the back. That's it. We're not going to overload this thing. We're not doing two and a half minute commercials, live reads like, you know, Joe Rogan does or Adam Carolla. What's that? How much money? Oh, from the live tour. Oh, yeah. No, two and a half, three, hell, four minutes. Uh, yeah, no, that's fine. How much? Yeah, that's good. Just kidding on that. Anyway, back to Andy. I understand, given your history, he is like a wife. You have been together with a couple of decades that you don't really like. It's not true. I like Andy a lot. But you get along well enough that you don't want to go through the hassle of a divorce and looking for someone else. But the two of you tend to gravitate to very specific local topics that even the most loyal of DC listeners, I'm sure, don't really care about or can get elsewhere. Going deep into every rumor about a potential ousting of Dan Snyder. Boring, plus irrelevant and unrealistic. 
pulling out MapQuest and picking out potential new stadium sites. Tedious. The fact that I live in Denver and I could feel comfort and I feel I could comfortably write a five-part Game of Thrones-sized anthology of the history of DC Sports Radio says volumes about how frequently the two of you and other guests go deep into the foibles and mishaps of program directors from 20 years ago. I think I've heard the OSHA story at least five times now. I'll never tell that again. Anyway, this all comes from a place of love. I want to see the show grow. I know you have a delicate dance between feeding the loyalties of your voting base and expanding nationally. You alone talking fresh topics is better than you with a guest recycling them. Trust your instincts, Abe. They are almost always right. Uh, But are they? Please, please assuage my fears of me waking up to find that you have packed up the family in an old jalopy and have driven off to Arizona as the credits roll one last time on the old Zabecast. A sincere thanks for the hard work and dedication you put into the show. It's one of the big bright spots in my day and truly makes a difference. Sincerely, Russ in Denver. P.S. Do you mind shouting out a quick Avs in five? If you remember, that is what you said when the Caps won the cup and I cashed in big. In my season ticket rotation, I'm third and I've got seats to that game five. Well, I hope it works out. I, right now, am missing game one to record this Savecast out of my dedication, loyalty, and commitment to you and every listener out there. So I'll turn it on in a second. Hope there's still time still left in the third. Hope it's a one-goal game either way, although I'm rooting lightly. Well, I'm rooting pretty hard, I guess, for the Avalanche. And uh, hopefully there's some hockey left to uh, take a gander at. All right, as always, feedback, welcome at Zabe at Yahoo.com, and I'm sure I'm going to prompt a flood of emails saying, no, 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 he's got it all wrong. This guy's the best, that guy's the worst. Trust me, I talk to all my friends. Rate and review, it helps tickle the algorithmic overlords. In the meantime, have yourself a great Wednesday, and we will see you next time. A hundred and sixty-two games of baseball a season can feel like a grind to watch, but you can put the excitement back into each and every game with my bookie. Run lines, money lines, props galore. Nobody gives you more opportunities to win than my bookie. Getting started is simple. Deposit three hundred dollars and play with two hundred dollars instantly. Just use promo code ZABE to claim a my bookie deposit bonus. Whether you're a diehard fan or a newcomer to the sport, there's never been a better time to join the MyBookie family. Go ahead and sign up today using promo code ZABE to secure your first deposit bonus up to $1,000 with MyBookie. Whatever you put in, they'll meet halfway all the way up to $1,000. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.com.